May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. In the beginning, or rather 101 years ago, Bishop Julius Atwood consecrated this cathedral and Trinity flourished. Over these 100 years, the congregation was served by many wonderful clergy and a few cranky ones. And I came here in October of 1995 as a pilgrim, a guest for what was to be four months. And in that period, I promised that I would be here till I'm gone, a length of time that would serve as enough to do what God had called us to do. It was a time marked by an ardent belief that we dwell in the kingdom of abundance. And so it was for almost 10 years, we gathered. I, always the pilgrim priest, always ready to be in the presence of God's people in this amazing place. This promise is still true. I will be here until I'm gone, but fraught with the reality that my exit is more likely to be my final exit and I will thus be remembered as the shortest dean of Trinity Cathedral. I suspect other details will be lost in time, but for now, today, I will preach the gospel. If it goes on too long, just nap, it's okay. So here we go. I believe paradise is our constant and eternal reality. I know, just look around, lingering days of the pandemic, political and social unrest, global chaos, climate change, and the drums of war, it hardly seems to be paradise. And yet, we still have those moments, those glimpses of glory and beauty and wonder Suddenly, there is an unexpected breaking forth of uncommon beauty, a desert morning sky, music that fills our hearts, a touch, a kiss, a child. We shiver at the sight and sound and feel of it. We cry out, we leap for joy, we see with new eyes, we hear in a new way, and we are forever changed. Just brief moments in paradise. And then all too often it seems lost to us, the world looming large. But the longing remains, and with it, a memory we cherish. This springs from our uniquely human capacity to store and access memories. Of all the creatures of the earth, we alone collect these memories, good and bad, 
joys and sorrows, and we take them and weave them into stories. No other creature can draw from that deep well within, weaving stories together, images linked in the vast neural network of our being. It is more complex than the entire universe. More connections. It is no wonder that we humans long for paradise, for we have seen it. Glimpses of it, and we hold, we hold it in our mind's eye. We dream dreams of love and glory. We watch for it to come our way again and again. We live in that holy hope, in a glance, a smile, a child, a lover, a glimpse of reality that is ours to claim, a glimpse of glory. This earthly realm is a garden of delight, an elusive reality that often lies just beyond our grasp. But the promise of Eden, paradise, a home we long for, a place we seek to be, a promise we hope to receive. This is the promise given to us by Jesus, the restoration and an offering that opens the gates to paradise to all humanity. It is the promise that John delivers in his unique gospel, a work that begins with the prologue, that great summary statement of our salvation. In the beginning was the word. In this first chapter, John offers these titles, Jesus is the word, the life, the light, the son, the son of God, the Christ, the son of man, the lamb of God, the Messiah, the anointed, the king of Israel, and grace and truth. John breaks with the authors of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and dares go beyond their narratives. John writes an incredibly layered, complex, daunting, tragic, poetic, and mystical telling of the story of Jesus. John's gospel is the meta-gospel. It is about transformation, a transcendent glimpse of glory. It was written a hundred years after the birth of Jesus, 70-plus years after his followers gathered on that day of Pentecost and were set on fire by the Holy Spirit and the love of Christ. This gospel promise, it is not a promise of heaven in the by and by, but an earthly abode, a call given to all of us, for none were to be abandoned. Everyone was in. It is an alternative world that beckons us beyond empire, domination, and greed. It is ours to enter if we choose to see through the eyes of Jesus. Today, on the second Sunday after Epiphany, year C, we are treated to a little slice of John's gospel. 
the wedding at Cana of Galilee. Note that this is just the second chapter. Chapter 1 sets the stage, and now the play begins with these words. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana of Galilee. More often than not, this reading gets short shrift. We hear it only once every three years, and it's after we're exhausted from Advent and Christmas, the Epiphany star has shone, and the wise men kings have delivered their gifts, and it is dark and cold outside, even in the desert, and we clergy and musicians are already contemplating Ash Wednesday, Lent, and Easter. Am I lying? John writes, On the third day there was a wedding at Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. His response, Woman, what concern is that to you or to me? My hour has not yet come. It is so tempting to make something of this interchange, this interchange between Mary and Jesus, and we drift off to the mother-son relationships, or we go off onto a tangent to calculate how much wine Jesus actually produced. I can tell you, 180 gallons or 23,040 ounces or 3,846 ounce glasses, or if there were 200 guests, enough wine for each guest to have 20 glasses of good wine. But none of that is the point. And that is the wonder of John's gospel. For the first clue is in the opening words, on the third day. John is getting ready to pull us into the heights and depths of this glorious story that will unfold with such wonder we might question if we've ever really heard it. On the third day, we slide right over it, hardly noticing it. On the third day of the wedding, the third day, the day of resurrection, the day that paradise was restored and humanity redeemed. In John's gospel, this is the first miracle of Jesus, but it is also a foreshadowing of what is to come. Layering underneath lies its cue. It is referenced in the passage of Isaiah this morning and the psalm. For here is what we can find. Jesus is the groom, and we are the bride of Christ. And this is the promise of everlasting glory, everlasting paradise. And as John tells us, when the water turns to wine, in that moment, his disciples believed in him.
in that moment, they believed. And for us, in this moment, we remember who we are and whose we are. And then let us remember his last words from John's Gospel. I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the wine on the branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. But the story isn't over, for John tells us that on the third day, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Two angels said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. She turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? His hour has now come, and he is then fully revealed in glory. The restoration in paradise is his work, and it is done. And it is the work of the heart. It is to be found throughout John's Gospel in the I Am statements, I am the bread, the light, the door, the good shepherd, the resurrection, and the life, the way, and the vine. We see it in the night with Nicodemus, in the woman from Samaria at the well, in a child spared death, a blind man gaining his sight, the feeding of 5,000, Lazarus. Through it all, there are glimpses of paradise. And finally, Jesus tells his followers everything they need in the final discourse, and his command is this, that we love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. The words of Jesus, whose grasp of Eden unfolded in a time and place that seemed far from paradise. In the tiny nation that was overwhelmed by empire, citizens seduced by power and greed, the marginalized discarded as less than human, and unrelenting brutality that used terror and torture to control the populace. That was his time and our time. But the gate of paradise is not a place. It is the heart, the heart of the servant, the heart of Jesus, our hearts, and we must cultivate the practice of offering, giving, and serving so that we too see paradise. We see the gate of paradise. We discover that you and I will become the gate of paradise to a longing world. 
We live on the threshold of paradise, in the liminal space of transition. We create these spaces, sacred spaces like this cathedral, so that we might heighten our awareness of paradise. For the church is not a Christian club. It's a universal sign and a sacrament of what God has done for the whole world. The mystic sweet communion is a universe run by a lover who invites us to the wedding feast where we eat of the bounty of the garden and drink the best wine. Jesus is the bridegroom, and we, all humanity, are the bride. And we, those here, who have been baptized into this story, baptized by water, we are being transformed. We become the very wine poured out onto the world for the sake of love and joy. So in this moment, look around you and see the glory, the radiance of love, the joy of belonging to each other. And remember, on the third day, we are all restored to paradise. Amen.